Consigned to Disobedience by Neville Goddard. Paul asked the question, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the master is able to make him stand. Now that whole drama takes place within the individual. My servant is this garment that is speaking to you. Your servant is not one who cleans your home, but the body that you are wearing. That's your servant. But no man passed judgment on that servant, for the master is in control. We are told in the same book of Romans, If it were not for the law, I would not know sin. But I know sin only by reason of the law. I should not know what it is to covet if the law did not say, You shall not covet. Therefore against thee and thee only have I sinned and done that which is evil in thy sight. No one knows what the master is putting the servant through in order to transform him into his own being. And everyone, whether he knows it or not, goes through hell, but everyone. When one gloats because so far he hasn't touched it or remembers that he's done something similar, well then I wouldn't say pity him, but he doesn't know, he just does not know. Now let me share with you a letter that came today. The lady is here tonight. She said in a dream, these huge, huge machines that move mountains, you've seen them, and make highways, and there was a man who led me by some magnetic current. I moved like a puppet, as he simply moved me at his will. But inwardly I rebelled and used every ounce of strength I could to break this robot. But she couldn't. He simply moved her at his will. And she played the part, the part of a puppet. Then, she said, I saw something forming. He was trying to form something in me, or out of me, or by me. But something was forming, and it seemed to form out of hot liquid glass. Well, you know the intensive heat that it would take to reduce glass to a liquid state. And then I noticed that the form of a man took shape and it came out of the top of my head. The head was perfect, perfectly formed, but the rest was still a mass not yet formed. I would say to her, it was perfectly formed. Don't expect anything below the head to form. You're not going to find below the head the form you now wear. I say the form is complete when you saw the head come out of your head. Now in Jeremiah, we are told in the last verse of the 30th chapter, the fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his mind. In the latter days, you will understand it. Then going to the next chapter, the 31st, we are told, the Lord has done a great thing on the earth. A man is com compassed by a woman. This is translated, as he has turned a woman into a man, the return of the virgin Israel, his own emanation to himself, the Lord Jehovah. At the very end, if anyone is to blame, it is only God. As told in the book of Job, in the end of all the trials, all the horrors to which he was put, and then his friends came and comforted him. 
that's all his friends and comforted joe for the horror for the evil the lord god had brought upon him so this body you put it through hell may i tell you but you put it through hell to learn certain lessons for we are told the law is spiritual but man does not know the law is spiritual until he has gone through all these fires of experience and then he discovered that it is spiritual and in the end when the whole thing unfolds within him then the law becomes easy for him to operate but not until the end for we are told god has consigned all men to disobedience that he may have mercy upon all he has consigned all men to disobedience that he may have mercy upon all here is a simple story a boy a boy born in poverty born in odessa russia in a jewish family who knew nothing of full meals he was the oldest of a family of five at a very tender age his mother died leaving just a few babies he was then maybe i would say ten he had to work to support the family his father was a worker but could not bring in enough to feed the family he never knew what it was to have a new pair of shoes a new pair of pants a new shirt a new hat everything was given by charity and these gifts were not new they were simply hand-me-downs but people had on so when he wore out the burlap shoe he could go back and get another pair of things to wrap his foot in cold russia he got a job going to the bank every day with large denominations of paper and they would be exchanged for silver and copper so when he came back he had the equal amount of money this time in silver and copper and one day standing before the teller the cashier he noticed that the copper and the silver had similar external markings they looked alike and he wondered to himself wouldn't it be wonderful if he made a mistake wouldn't it be wonderful if that cashier made a mistake and gave me silver instead of copper at that moment he assumed that the cashier did and in his mind's eye he took the things and then walked back to the store he knew the cashier had not done it but he simply wiped it out and played a little game and he walked back feeling that the cashier had made the mistake and he wondered now what would i do i will go into a restaurant and eat for the first time in my life to where i feel satisfied i will eat until it comes to my ears then i'll buy a pair of shoes and then i'll buy a pair of slacks he knew that it would cover that much when he got back to the store that man hadn't made a mistake but he had the joy of walking in that assumption the next day the man made that mistake and he realized in the minute the man made the mistake so he went to another bank and changed the money into the right amount so that he could take back the right amount to the store leaving this money over and with that extra money he said i wrestled all day with myself and that night when i went to bed i could hardly sleep i wrestled and wrestled with myself because that was in conflict with what my dead mother had taught me thou shalt not steal thou shalt not covet the next day my hunger and my desire to have a new pair of shoes and a new pair of pants overpowered what i had heard from my mother and i ate until it came through not my ears but till i was stuffed then i bought myself a pair of slacks and i bought myself a pair of shoes well who did it 
If the law had not come into the world, I would never have known sin. If the law did not say, You shall not covet, I would not know what it is to covet, and yet he who is guiding me consigned me to disobedience. So here is a lady, led like a puppet by this current, that she could not control. It controlled her, forming out of her in her that which could perfectly reflect itself. It is the story of Christ, until Christ be formed in you. So we are told, Christ reflects the glory of God and is the express image of his person. Well, who is forming the master? The word translated master means the supreme authority, the controller, God, the Lord. That's what it means. So when they use the word master, you look it up and you will see it means the supreme authority, the Lord God, the controller. So the controller is in control of every life in the world. And that controller is God and you are consigned to disobedience that he may have mercy upon you. So you find yourself as he did, hungry and embarrassed because of the rags that he wore. And he learned that the law is spiritual. So he rose from the state as a little impoverished Jewish boy in Odessa in Russia. And after the revolution, he found himself. When the war came to an end, among soldiers who left Russia and made their way to France. So when he died at the age of 77 on Good Friday, this past Good Friday, he could leave an estate that runs into millions. He learned the law. He learned that the law is spiritual, and he told me himself he never took a man to court for unpaid bills. He would sit at his desk when all the employees left, and he would write out a letter thanking the man for his check. He never mailed it, but he would get himself into that mood and thank them for the check that they had sent. And he said, within a matter of days, never in excess of a week, but quite often, two or three days, a check came. The check came to him in payment of an unpaid bill that was long overdue. But he said, I never once had to lose a friend, for I cannot remain in business and lose customers, so I never had to dun a customer. I've learned the law. I learned that these assumptions, though denied by my senses, if I really believed them and put all my faith in the assumption, it would become a reality. And so I lived by it. Long before I met you, Neville, long before I ever heard of you, I heard of you only through my wife. She heard of you and heard the law, and we sort of struck it off together when we were in Paris. But long before I met her or met you, I proved this law when I was a poor boy living in Russia. And I began to live by it. So I have never once taken a man to court to get back monies. I had advanced in the form of merchandise. So when he died at the ripe old age of 77, he died quite suddenly of a heart attack. Well, he had proven that Paul's words were right. And he didn't know Paul, for he was born and raised in the Jewish faith. And I doubt that he ever read the New Testament. So when Paul makes a statement in the seventh chapter of Romans that the law is spiritual, when he makes that bold statement, that if I were not, if it were not for the law, I never should have known sin. 
I should not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. So, God has consigned all men to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. And just as a lady resisted, but could not really resist, she was guided in a certain direction against her will, and she had to go. For that, something within her is master, and it's putting you through the furnaces. How long, how vast, how severe the furnace is, ere you find, the father were long to tell. Blake, from Jerusalem. And the father is the master. That's the being that you really are. And you, the thing that you see here, is but an emanation of that master. And no one knows the background of that servant, for this is the servant. So I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. So he is called the servant. But in the end, he is called the son. He actually now has returned to become one. But standing before him is the one that he put through all the pieces. So it is David. In the 51st Psalm, Nathan, the prophet, goes in unto him and reminds him what he did when he went into, went in unto Bethesda. He sent Bathsheba's husband into battle in the hope and knowledge that he would be killed and then he would get Bathsheba. So Nathan goes and tells him, and then the words of David, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done that which is evil in thy sight. And yet who did it? I only did your will that you gave me by this law that you gave me, the desire to covet. I never would have known what it is to covet had not the law said, Thou shalt not covet. And so you made me sin. So God consigned me to sin by putting upon me a burden that I could not in this flesh resist. So who are you, he asked, to pass judgment on the servant of another? He stands before his own master, or he falls before his own master. But he will be upheld, for the master is able to stand him up. So everyone in the world has gone through hell, may I tell you. If they haven't, they are going to go through it. Or they are going through it now. And you have lost. You say you have five senses. You have lost every one of them at some point. But everyone. And in the end, you will be the one spoken of in the gospel who has the power to forgive sin. When he comes, he comes only at the end of the journey. Christ comes once at the end. That's when he comes. And when he comes, he comes in the most marvelous, mysterious way. And let's the one for whom he comes. For he was the master all along. And when he comes... He lets the one in whom he now rises experience who he is, and you experience Christ in the first person, singular, present tense, experience. In this world, we can know a thing mentally by comparing it to other things, analyzing it and accepting it, but we know a thing spiritually only by becoming it. You will never in eternity know Christ until you become Christ, and Christ comes at the end the very end. So when he comes, all right, you know exactly who he is, and you forgive every being for what he has done, what he is going to do, or what he may be compelled to do. For he moves under compulsion, everyone, 
You have stolen and you've sat in judgment on the thief. You have been blind. And he said, Master, who sinned? This man or his parents, and he was born blind? He said, Neither the man nor his parents, but that the works of God he made manifest. Don't blame him, as all people do. He is blind, all right blind from birth. The question would imply that the one who asked the question believed in reincarnation. But he does not accept that theory. Who sinned? This man? He is born from birth, born blind. Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. That is the story in the ninth of John. And he answered, Neither this man nor his parents, but that the works of God be made manifest be ye perfect as your father in heaven is perfect so he takes the son takes you what's called the servant and puts him through hell as she said what fire it must have taken to take glass and turn it into a molten state it was hot liquid glass formed into a man and it came out of the top of my head and the face was out of a man it was complete that's the word perfect, complete, but the body was not. Because the body is not going to be like this body. It's going to be that glorious body of which I've spoken time and again when it moves up like a seraphim, that fiery, fiery serpent. The face, yes, is human, the voice human, the hands human. But do not ask about the body. That is something entirely different. She saw correctly. And she had already gone through the furnaces, or she could not have seen that crystal clear state that is so clear that it can reflect the glory of God. Were it not made in that form, it could not reflect the glory of God. The imagery is perfect. It not only reflects it, it radiates it. Because he becomes one with the one who put him through the furnaces. So when she reads tonight, and I hope she will, that statement in the 31st, this great thing that God has done on earth, that a woman compasses a man, a woman turned into a man, that that which was the radiation of Jehovah called in scripture the virgin Israel, now returns and is Jehovah himself. Then the emanation, yet my wife is still now myself, that returns and the two become one but the father suffered with the radiation. So let no one tell you that what you have done, you should be remorseful about it and dwell upon it. May I tell you, you are learning the law and learning that the law is spiritual. It's not observing outer things like washing my hands before meals and lighting candles on a certain day and saying grace and doing all these things that people do outwardly. It's what you do inwardly. What am I doing this very moment? At every moment of time. Am I judging people by their outward performance, their social position, their intellectual position, their financial position, or am I asking of them one question? What do you want? And though it may seem the most impossible request, you grant it. Well, that's testing yourself. Now to exercise this power, for in granting it, you are forgiving sin, for they are missing the mark. 
To sin is to miss the mark in life. So the ultimate goal is the formation of that being that can radiate and reflect the glory of God. That's the end. Telos, the end, and it means perfect, complete, finished. That you may say, I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. Now return unto me the glory that is mine, the glory that I had with thee before that the world was. Yes, I gave it up as the Son of God, and took upon myself this garment and became a servant, a slave, and was crucified upon this garment called the cross, and made myself of no reputation, and became obedient unto death, even death on this cross, and went through all the horrors of the world. And he called me then his servant. But in the end, when I have completed the work that I came to do, the cross is taken off, and I arise, and I am the very being, for I rose from the Son to that of the Father. But because I am Father, there still must be a Son to bear witness to my fatherhood. And he stands before me, and he's David. Some total of all my human experiences, but this time glorified. He doesn't miss anything. His eyes are perfect, as told in the book of Samuel. Beautiful eyes, clear complexion. Everything about him is perfect. You cannot improve on the beauty of David. Not a thing is missing when you look upon him and see your son. And you certainly put him through the paces. You tore his eyes out when he was born blind. You took from him the capacity to speak. You took from him the capacity to hear all these things you took, and he had to obey you, just as this lady had to obey this simple current pulled by a man. A man was directing it, and it started off with these enormous instruments that plow up a mountain, and it removes a mountain. That's how the vision began. And so you saw them removing mountains. You have seen them making highways where they go through an entire area of forest, and in no time it is simply leveled and they make a highway. Well, they are making a highway in her, and have made it, for the end justifies all the horrors that she has gone through, for that was only showing her in vision, this lovely imagery, what she has gone through. She has been plowed and plowed and plowed and has suffered and suffered, but something lovely was coming out, and coming out, her own skull when a woman is turned into a man and now she goes back and she is one with the father so when you see anyone in the world and you're going through don't analyze yourself and ask what have i done that is wrong what have i done that is wrong well go to scripture and find out he consigned me to disobedience <clears throat> so if i disobey the law it is he then who is he my own wonderful lord and who is that Lord? My imagination. That is the Father. That is the Lord. And that is the Master. So I obeyed him every moment of time. And when he took me up as a boy and shipped me 2,000 miles away to school without my friends, any relatives to receive me, because the fire was so intense and the urge to go, I had to get going. And when I was fired from one job or was fired from the other, or when I quit, I had that intense desire to do something that was different. It was he who was guiding me all along. It was he who took me to London. When I really wasn't qualified to do it, 
and then in London to find a man, a retired engineer who liked the psychic world and introduced me to this way of thinking. Just a little spark, it was all there. He only had to put the spark to it. So when I came back, I was living in the second-hand bookstore in New York City. When I could afford a book, I'd buy a book. When I traveled as a dancer, I traveled with my library. When the others played cards through the day to kill time between shows, for we did three or four shows a day, I was reading my books. And when they went out after the show at night doing some things, I would take my books and I built my library. That way, when I could ill afford to buy a book, that's the way I spent my money. So I tell you, everyone is playing that. Everyone is playing the part that the master has determined. And we think we're so completely free in this world. We aren't free until the end, not until the very end when the sun sets us free. For if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed, but not until the end. So I would pass along. We're discarding the errors and holding on to the truth, and discarding more errors and holding on to the truth. For then, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life. There is no other way. I have told you exactly how it's going to happen. There is no other way. There isn't a morning's paper that some publicity agent isn't trying to persuade those who read it that there is another way. And they call it by all these different isms. There is no other way. In the very end, you are going to find who you are. And when you find him, you are the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord God Jehovah. And then will come that inevitable moment when that end is reached, that you take off the garment and you are one with eternity. And all those who preceded you are not greater than you because they have preceded you. No, you are all the same, the brotherhood. And that one brotherhood forms the one God and Father of all. So, who are you? asked Paul in his 14th chapter. The fourth verse of Romans. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and his master is able to make him stand. He will be held upright, and in the end it will all be forgiven. So tonight I say to my friend who wrote the letter I got today, congratulations. And if the vision seemed wild at times, I rejoice. Put them down for me and send them no matter how they come. They all make sense to me, I tell you. Your letter was one of sheer joy today. And your daughter's letter was sheer joy too. That has tremendous significance. She has seen me in the road. And when this monstrous thing appeared and was just about to bite you, my face appeared. As she told you in the letter, told me at least, it was not the monster's face, it was your face and the whole thing vanished. Wherever he appears, it will put an end to all the nonsense, for I've gone through it, my dear, gone through everything that I've told you. I'm not speculating, I'm not theorizing. I would say to anyone tonight who is passing through great sorrow, the master is doing it, the master has come. Were you not now conscious of the law? It's because you are not ready for it. But you've been made conscious of the law, and unless you are conscious of the law, you cannot violate the law. 
There could be no sin in the world unless there was law, because sin is simply falling short of the mark. If you didn't have a mark in this world, if death meant nothing to you, thou shalt not kill, would mean nothing. If you accept the commandments, well, then the violation of them is sinning. But no violation. If you haven't the law, how can you violate what you do not have as a mark? If you have no goal in this world, how can you miss it? If you have no objective, how could you miss it? But you have an objective, and these who are here, they have the greatest objective. That end is, is to be Christ, not to serve Christ, that is not good enough, but to be Christ. You will never know him in any other way other than being Christ. You do not know love in the true sense of the word until you are actually incorporated into the body of love. Then you are love. Well, we have glimpses of it by being in love. How else could a man know love unless he's in love? You can talk about it on all these things, but one must be in love to know love. But the extreme of love is when one is incorporated into the body of love. Then you can't describe that joy. You can't describe that love. Only by an experience of God in the form of love could ever describe it to the individual who has it. But how is he going to tell it to convey that same experience to another? He can't do it, but he can encourage others and they will simply believe him. If they believe him at all, and he will go blindly on telling all, the, or telling all those who believe that those, or and those who do not believe, until that moment in time when he returns to the body of love and takes up his place. Where? In you. For in the end, there is only one, one Father of all. So tonight, if you have the time, read the 14th and the seventh. In fact, it's all in Romans, really, where he takes the first eight chapters and lays the foundation. But the seventh, I quoted quite a bit from the seventh tonight, and you will find that he forgives everyone. For he who would rub out the people of the way then became the greatest, I would say, promotion agent of the way. The lady also said in her vision that there was Paul, and she was Paul, but Paul spoke of himself as woman. Woman turning into a man. I tell you, in the resurrection, you are above the organization of sex. You are neither male nor female. You are neither bound nor free. You are Christ, and Christ is God. Until that moment comes, you still are the servant of that master who is leading you. As he leads her, and the day will come when he will form himself in you. Christ will form, that he may radiate you. For you are the master and reflect you, and when that moment comes, then you return and you are one with the master who is the Lord, Je the Lord Jehovah. It seems beyond the wildest dreams of man, but may I tell you it is true. So don't condone anyone. Leave them alone. When they are suffering, let your heart go out to them and express mercy. For you've gone through it, or else you will go through it. For not one will come out until he is perfect, as his father is perfect. And the father had to go through experience of man to be perfect. And you are going through, or you are going to go through, or you have gone through. I dare say you have gone through. That's why you are here. All the experiences of humanity. And in the end, you are God the Father. Now let us go into the silence.